Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Van Maren and welcome back to The Culture Wars. Today I want to talk to you about a subject that I increasingly think is one of the most important cultural issues that is facing us today. And that is the issue of internet pornography. Now a lot of you listening will probably rightfully say, well, pornography is just, you know, a bad thing that we need to avoid. And yes, pornography is a bad thing that we need to avoid, but it is also so much worse than that. And this is a thing that I don't think people understand. When people think of pornography, they're still thinking about, you know, their parents or their grandparents, at least uh, moms and dads, moms and dads who aren't millennials generally are thinking about pornography in this context. So when they consider pornography, you know, they're thinking about the guy who had to put on a trench coat and a ski mask and drive to one of those corner stores with a shady back corner that had a curtain pulled around a booth. And then you could go in there while everybody judged you and pick out your magazine or your bulky VHS cassette or whatever, and then come to the counter and buy your porn while the clerk judged you. And then you'd have to leave and find somewhere, you know, private and personal to watch your porn or to look at your porn. And then after that, unless you lived by yourself, you had to stash your porn away so that nobody could find it. But that was a very long time ago. And at this point, Playboy and Hustler and Penthouse are considered so quaint that you can actually pick them up at antique stores or in secondhand bookshops. They're considered this sort of adorable collector's item. What was once you know, sort of mainstream pornography, but also the kinds of pornography that had the moral majority and the Christian right up in arms is now considered so tame compared to the pornography that is just flooding through our culture on a day-to-day -day basis that nobody even cares about the porn magazines anymore. And so when I give presentations on pornography at schools and at churches and at different places, and I've been doing that you know, for, what, eight years now, uh, most people think that we're talking about the occasional porn website and porn magazines and things like that. Most parents have no idea that the vast majority of young people are viewing pornography. The vast majority of the pornography that they're viewing is now violent pornography, and that this is poisoning the brains of their children and shaping the sexual ideology and the sexual practices of an entire generation to such an extent that our entire society is going to be transformed on the social level unless we figure out how to address this problem. Let me give you just a couple of statistics that indicate how impossible it is to exaggerate this problem at this point. If you look at all the pornography viewed on the websites of a single porn company in, let's pick, 2016, and you added up all the hours of porn that were watched into days, all of the days into weeks, the weeks into months, and the months into years. How many years of pornography do you think were consumed worldwide on the websites of a single porn company in the span of 12 months? Now, I like to ask this question when I'm giving presentations because, you know, some really brave person will stick their hand up and say, a hundred years. I bet a hundred years worth of pornography was consumed in 2016. And they'll look at me like, that's a crazy high amount of pornography, right? There's no way that I'm actually right, but it was a really, it was a really daring guess. And I've just, people's eyes bug out of their heads when I give them the real number. Just on the websites owned by Pornhub alone, in 2016, 524,641 years 
of pornography were consumed. Years. That amounts to roughly 12 porn videos for every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. It is impossible to overestimate the size and the scale of this problem. Porn use has become ubiquitous, which is to say everybody's using it. They tried to do a study comparing people who didn't watch porn and people who did watch porn at a Canadian university a few years back. They had to call off a study because they couldn't find anybody who didn't watch porn. Statistics say that over 80% of young men are using it regularly uh, the vast majority of kids under 17 the vast majority of minors have already seen pornography well over 50 percent of females are now looking at pornography as well because the porn companies have made a really concentrated effort to attract girls to their products as well and at this point even the church has been infected to an enormous degree because over 50 percent of evangelical pastors when surveyed admitted to having looked at porn the last month this problem is impossible to exaggerate. Again, 524,641 years of pornography consumed on the websites of a single porn company in the space of 12 months. This is not a Playboy stashed under the bed or a penthouse in the treehouse or a bulky video cassette hidden somewhere. That is not what this is. This is a porn pandemic infecting every corner of society and every single age group. The average age of first exposure to porn is steadily dropping. It's now below the age of 11. The average kid I meet at a high school looking at pornography first started looking at porn in grade 6. This is an issue we need to deal with because I firmly believe that if we get the issue of pornography wrong... Nothing else is going to make a difference. Pornography is destroying marriage, f marriages at a rate we've never before seen. Every study indicates that pornography is reducing satisfaction in marriage. It's eliminating the desire to be married in the first place. It's directly at odds with monogamy, which isn't really a shocker. And 53% of American divorce court cases specifically cite compulsive porn use as one of the reasons for that divorce. If church communities get the issue of porn wrong, then a lot of the culture wars aren't going to matter because pornography has the power to destroy us from the inside out. And I'm going to get into that in some future podcasts, but one of the, th the things that I want to take a look at now, and I want to focus on this point because people just don't seem to get it, is that pornography is creating a sexually violent culture. And I know I've, I've debated this before. I've debated this on the radio with a queer studies professor. We debated for a full hour and we went through every detail of this. I've debated this on university campuses, like at the University of Ottawa. But it is important to understand that when I say pornography is mainstreaming sexual violence, I'm not saying it's boosting the rape rates. I'm saying it's changing people's view of sexuality so fundamentally that people are starting to think that sexual violence is normal. They're starting to think that sexual violence is normal. And a lot of people don't fully believe me, but if you consider the fact that Fifty Shades of Grey sold 100 million copies, and Fifty Shades of Grey was a torture porn novel that talked about an abusive assaulter, right, who essentially stalked, mistreated, abused, and got off on causing this girl pain, and that this was considered to be a romantic book that was eventually turned into a blockbuster Hollywood trilogy. And then if you consider that the pornography, the visual pornography that boys are watching, that about 88% of top-selling porn content features violence against women, the uh, number one most popular content for teenage boys 
on the internet right now involves hardcore anal sex, involves at least three men on one woman with the woman being totally destroyed by the end of the porn scene, and involves other stuff that I simply won't say. And I know what I said is really blunt. I apologize for anybody who was shocked, but that just gives you an idea of the stuff that I can't say. And the reason I have to say this is because this is normal for teenage boys, and I'm talking to teenage boys in Christian schools who are saying this is the sort of stuff they're watching. I'm talking to 13-year-old girls at Christian high schools who are saying their boyfriends are trying to push them into anal sex. Gynecologists are writing up reports explaining that girls are putting tampons in their bottoms because of the rough behavior they've been put through by their boyfriends, often unwanted. Those girls can't even determine or discern what sexual assault is anymore because violence has become so a part of the sexual scene, they've simply come to expect it. Girls are getting stitched up by doctors because their bodies aren't designed to put up with the abuse that boys are inflicting on them or asking them to endure. All of this comes from violent pornography. It comes from violent pornography. And violent pornography, again, this is ubiquitous. This is normal. Let me read you a quote uh, about the atmosphere in American high schools from Vanity Fair journalist Nancy Jo Salles, who wrote a book in 2016 called American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers. And it's really important that when she's describing uh, this atmosphere, she's describing something that she was totally unaware of until Graydon Carter, who is the editor-in-chief over at Vanity Fair, used to edit Christopher Hitchens' columns, sent her out to find out why so many young girls were committing suicide. And she went from a pro-porn liberal to an anti-porn activist. I first met her uh, at a Nicosi Conference. That's the National Center for Combating Sexual Exploitation. And... A committee of members of parliament came out with a report that basically confirmed what her book, American Girls, said. So here's what the committee said, and I'm going to quote directly from the committee report. While provision of sex and relationship education is still patchy, teenagers are understandably turning to pornography to learn about sex. However, with much of even mainstream porn featuring sexual aggression, coercion, and a lack of interest in female pleasure, young people are early on exposed to very stereotypical and degrading images of sexuality which can feed into their attitudes towards women and sex. Again, no one is suggesting that watching porn as a teenager turns into a sexual predator. What is of concern, however, is that young people people's very normal and valid sexual curiosity is being fed by scenes of violence, simulated rape, and acts that center on aggression and degradation all before they've had a chance to explore and develop their own sexuality. This risks young people growing up to view women as sex objects like they are in porn, which in terms normalizes sexual harassment. There is also evidence to suggest, and pay attention to this, to suggest that girls feel coerced by their boyfriends into sexual acts they didn't want to partake in, citing pornography as the explanation for being pressured into, for example, anal sex. And there's a million other stories I could give you like this. The one part of that report that I disagree with is I think it's fair to say that pornography is grooming boys to be sexual predators and it's grooming girls to be victims. It's essentially teaching girls that they have to endure all kinds of violent sexual behavior because that's simply a part of the way things are now. And, and in Canada, actually, I can kind of pinpoint where this shift in our attitude towards violence in the sexual context came from. A few of you might remember uh, Gian Gomeshi, who was this like sort of famous CBC host 
uh, who ran this arts and culture show. It was an interview show. And a story broke in the Toronto Star that basically had woman after woman after woman coming forward and accusing him of violent behavior in the romantic context. He was choking them. He was hitting them. And he was doing a whole laundry list of terrible things to them. And Gian Gomeshi was a longtime user of pornography. He'd actually admitted that in his own autobiography, which was published uh, before this scandal broke. And when the scandal broke, Gian Gomeshi tried to get out ahead of the scandal by specifically citing violent porn as the inspiration for his behavior and he actually said uh you know my relationships were 50 shades of gray relationships which basically meant that gian gomeshi was the sort of guy who got off on inflicting pain on other girls but because this porn novel sold 100 million copies and you can see people breathing heavily as they read it next to you on the airplane he apparently thought that was a good defense i for one think it's an indictment uh but the culture apparently agreed with him because one of the things that really really stood out for me is that in the Toronto Star in one of the first articles that really went through what he was accused of the article said and and listen carefully see if you can pick out the problem here said that Gian Gomeshi had been accused of unwanted sexual violence now what, what do you think the problem with that description in Canada's largest newspaper about a guy who's been accused of choking and beating up on women in the sexual context is. What do you think the problem with that is? And when I ask this question to audiences, it's usually only one of the older people who understands it. The problem with this is the phrase unwanted, because the inherent implication in that sentence is that some sexual violence is wanted. And that as a result of this, that women just have to put up with the fact that some guys enjoy hitting girls right it used to be wrong for a guy to hit a girl now it's okay she's asking for it because it's just assumed that this new massive phenomenon across the western world bdsm which stands for bondage domination sadism and masochism sadism means you actually enjoy inflicting pain on somebody this is not the sort of thing that should be in the bedroom it's the sort of thing that should put people in jail if you enjoy inflicting pain on a woman your place is in a jail cell not in a bedroom you certainly shouldn't be dating and you shouldn't be excusing your garbage behavior uh, by claiming well women read these porn novels and it's mainstream in pornography now as carlos scalisi one of the american producers of a major porn company said the future of American porn is pain. He actually said they recruit younger and younger girls because those girls can still feel pain and that's what the market wants. The majority of internet porn, mainstream American internet porn, and the majority of top-selling porn content contains specific violence against women and the reason it does that is because that's what people want to watch. Pornography functions like an addiction. People's porn use often escalates far beyond just nude pictures and then what used to be considered hardcore porn, which is people having sex. That's now considered soft car. Hard car includes all sorts of extremely violent behavior, including the things that I mentioned before, which I won't uh, go over twice. And there are much, much worse things taking place at the same time that I think we really, really need to take a closer look at. 
For example, just to give you a really recent example, and anybody who wants to see, I write columns on this all the time. My 2016 book, The Culture War, had an entire chapter on exactly how pornography is fueling rape culture. You can order that book at thebridgehead.ca. I did an hour-long debate on this on public radio, and by the end of the debate, uh, Dr. Annalise Trudell, who's a professor in queer studies, actually admitted every one of my points that pornography is inspiring sexually violent behavior against women, and actually said she'd worked with women at battered women's shelters who had been the victims of porn-inspired sexual assaults. Like, she was the one who was supposed to be arguing that porn was good for society, and she ended up seeding what I think was my most important and most compelling point, which is that pornography is inspiring sexual assaults. Nepal is moving to ban pornography after the rape rate rose 300% in a decade. And there was one major human rights activist in India who's been calling for movement on porn and excoriating the feminist for refusing to make moves against pornography because she cited something that you probably never heard. Many of you probably heard of the gang rapes in India and Delhi and elsewhere. Horrifying stories that made international news everywhere. But the one thing that almost never got mentioned in any of these stories is that the males who perpetrated these sexual assaults in virtually every instance were consuming both alcohol and violent pornography prior to these assaults. And in fact, Dr. Mary Ann Layden, who's the director of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania, and has spent decades, decades, counseling both the victims and the perpetrators of sexual assault, and has done some of the best research on this issue, says that the reason she did started researching this issue is she went back through her notes and realized that in two decades of talking to the perpetrators and the victims of sexual assault, not a single instance did not include pornography. And her paper, uh, Porn and Violence, A New Look at Research, which you can find online for free if you want to read it through. It's, it's fascinating and revealing. Um, it's, it's, it's a brutal read, but it's important for us to understand that if the majority of our young people are viewing porn, the majority of them are viewing violent porn, this is creating changes in our culture that are extraordinarily dangerous. Sheesh, even Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, said there might be a connection between degrading and negative attitudes towards women and degrading and violent pornography. Even a broken clock is right, well, once a day. It's unbelievable that we even have to be having this conversation because internet pornography has been sweeping through our culture for quite a few years now, but one of the reasons it's so important is people have their head in, their sand, in the sand. People know pornography is out there, but when I highlight what people are watching, they're stunned. Here's an article that came out in The Atlantic by Olga Kazan only four days ago, and the title is The Startling Rise of Choking During Sex. Here's the opening paragraph. There are a lot of emotions commonly associated with sex. Love, happiness, excitement, and maybe even relaxation. But for many women, one sexual feeling that comes to mind is a darker one, fear. Let that paragraph sink in for a minute. She goes on. In a recent study, De Debbie Herberneck, a professor and sex researcher at the Indiana University School of Public Health, found that nearly a quarter of adult women in the United States have felt scared during sex. Among 347 respondents, 23 described feeling scared because their partner had tried to choke them unexpectedly. For example, a 44-year-old woman wrote in that her partner had, quote, put his hands on my throat to where I almost couldn't breathe. Think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. A quarter, almost a quarter of adult women in the United States have felt scared during sex. 
scared. A quarter. Do you have any idea how many people that is? She goes on to point out that many sexual assault cases among students at her university now center around, quote, non-consensual choking. There's that stupid word again. Like, there's consensual choking. Uh, it's, it's just so many people are being groomed to believe that this is a normal part of a sexual relationship that we now have to qualify being choked with consensual or non-consensual. And according to her research, 13% of sexually active girls between the ages of 14 and 17 have already been choked. 14 and 17. This is crazy. In this article, they say that pornography is the reason for this. And here, let me quote you another piece. Just so, like, this isn't from me. This isn't from somebody, you know, who hates pornography because of my beliefs or whatever. This is from The Atlantic, a very liberal magazine. Uh, so I'm going to read to you directly from this uh, article again. And that's not the only disturbing change that might be attributable to porn, added Kate Julian, a senior editor at The Atlantic and the author of a recent magazine story on sexual behavior among young people. For her story, she talked with many young women who said their male partners seemed to be taking a cue from what they had seen in porn, pounding away or portraying pounding away or penetrating them anally when they weren't ready. It was hard to get that out. Unbelievable. But I've heard these stories at Christian schools. This is not abnormal. This is not an exception. Going on, Julian heard about a university health center that was seeing women with vulvular fissures, something that's typically a sign of sexual assault, except these women hadn't been raped. They just had been having sex that they didn't desire, Julian said. They didn't know it was supposed to feel different. Think about that for a second. Girls are going in with tearing because they've endured violent sex from boys who get the idea from porn, who get the idea from pornography. But this culture, because of Fifty Shades of Grey, because of violent pornography, because the vast majority of young people are consuming this material, they actually think it's normal. And so the girls don't know if what they've experienced is sexual assault. And it wasn't rape. It wasn't sexual violence. It was, quote, sex that they didn't desire. And again, some of the Christians listening might be thinking, well, that doesn't actually happen uh, in Christian circles. Garbage. I can give you stories of girls in conservative Christian circles that faced sexual violence on their honeymoon because the husband, the new husband, had read Fifty Shades of Grey or was watching violent porn. Of guys who thought sex was about extracting as much pleasure from the female form as he possibly could, because he'd never been talked to about sex. And these days, when they don't have a good conversation about sex, they Google everything. So parents either teach kids about sex themselves or they learn about it from the Internet. If they learn about it from the Internet, they're going to learn about sexual violence. They're going to learn from porn. And pornography is ruining, ruining an entire generation. Unbelievably awful. Again, that's just the most recent article. That's four days old. I could give you hundreds and hundreds of articles that describe what's going on in our Christian schools, in our churches. It's not just that the rape rate is being is spiking, that the rate of people being charged with sexual assault is spiking. A rape culture is one that fundamentally trivializes sexual assault and sexual violence. And pornography is so pervasive in our culture that we now trivialize sexual violence to the point where the Atlantic has to write about girls getting choked during a sexual encounter and needs to point out that it's non-consensual choking. That a guy who's defending himself 
from accusations of sexual violence doesn't claim he didn't perpetrate or commit sexual violence. He just claims that it was wanted sexual violence. Because now you can actually go to a newspaper with a straight face say, yeah, I'm a sadist. I'm the S in BDSM. That's something I'm into. I get off on inflicting pain on people. That just makes me kinky or quirky. It just makes me another color in the vast sexual rainbow that we all have to accept now because we've let everything out of the closet. And now we've got communities that literally exist for people to inflict pain on each other, dominate each other and hurt each other. Just ridiculous when you think about it. They talk about how the Christian worldview where the husband was commanded to sacrifice himself for his wife, that he had to do everything, everything to take care of her, to protect her up to and including sacrificing his own body in her defense. That was bad, right? That was repressive and fundamentalist and patriarchal. And so now, now we get to have this wonderful new culture where a guy can defend himself for being a creep by claiming, oh, but she wanted me to choke her. She wanted me to beat her up. And we're all supposed to say, isn't it so great that we've liberated everybody, right? And in reality, all we've done is we've liberated liberated the creeps to be creeps. We've liber liberated the demons that lived in people's skulls. We've cultivated and planted demons there by pornography so ubiquitous the vast majority of young people have seen more hardcore porn by the age of 18 than their parents saw in an entire lifetime, right? And this is what we're doing. We're just liberating horrible people from their pants to abuse girls and when they want to beat up a girl all they have to do is say she was asking for it all they have to do is groom her with pornography i was talking to a, a, a member of parliament who works on the connections between porn and human trafficking and you know what's crazy is back in the day when girls got trafficked when girls got turned into sex slaves horrible things were done to them to show them what would be expected of them by the perverts and the creeps who came to purchase services from their pimps you know what happens these days they just show them normal mainstream porn because the normal stuff that normal teenage boys in your home in your church in your school are consuming that's the sort of violent stuff that once was so illegal it was difficult to get your hands on. And that's normal, people. That's normal. You cannot overestimate the size of this problem. And for those of you who are thinking, ah, oh, it's not my family, it's not my church, I hate to break it to you, but it is. I've actually had moms come up to me and say, I'm so glad that my boys never looked at porn, and I talked to their boys, and I know they did. I know boys who are rapists and didn't know they were rapists because, according to the research of Dr. Gail Dines, who wrote the book How Porn Hijacked Sexuality, Dr. Robert Jensen, who wrote an entire book on how porn hijacked masculinity, the viewing of porn has created something that they call porn myth. It's a, it's a myth that basically, if a girl says no, you push, push, push until you get what you want, and in the end, everybody's happy. That's how porn works. So boys are actually engaging in that kind of behavior on dates, in relationships. They are forced girls into sexual activity that those girls don't want and say no to because they think that's how the real world works. They're rapists and they don't know it. And girls are so used to violence inside sexuality. There are girls that actually go to counselors, and I could give you real examples of this and say, I don't know if I was sexually assaulted or not because the lines have been so blurred. Blurred lines. I think that was a, I think that was a pop song, wasn't it? A pop song about how sexual assault is 
something that you just never know if if you're into it or not. And I want to end uh, this podcast, and I'll be coming back to the topic of porn more over the next couple of weeks because I'm fed up with people not taking this problem seriously enough, and they need to realize what it's doing to their girls and what it's doing to their boys. I just want every dad and mom out there to, to think of the fact that 80% of boys are viewing porn, that 88% of porn is violent, uh, or the mainstream porn content, I should say, and that those are the boys that are going to be taking your girls out on dates at some point. Do you want boys who have been pumping that toxic stuff directly into your, their skulls since grade six or whatever it happens to be to take your girl out alone? He might think he has one brain for fantasy and another brain for reality, but that doesn't work. You only get one brain. And that's a weird excuse anyways. Do you want a guy with violent sexual fantasies to be taking your girl out on a date? Think about it. Think about it for a minute. Moms, dads, do you want your boys to be poisoning themselves like this, to be rendering themselves incapable of a loving, beautiful relationship? Because that's what they're doing. It's grooming them to be predators, and it's grooming girls to be victims. And this is something we need to pay attention to. Um, a lot of you will know uh, from following uh, our blog at The Bridgehead that I was in Ireland last year prior to the abortion referendum with my wife, my daughter, and a couple of colleagues. We were helping out going door-to-door. We were helping the Save the Eighth Amendment campaign before the vote on May 25th. And the day we arrived there, one of the biggest stories was that a 14-year-old girl um, named Anna Kriegel had gone missing. And a couple of days later, and I remember how stunned everybody was there, she was actually found in an abandoned farmhouse in Lucan, roughly that's roughly 12 kilometers away from Dublin. And she was found naked with horrible injuries perpetrated to her head and body. A ligature was still wound around her neck. Broken beer bottles were everywhere and a club with nails pounded through it. It was just savage. She was an adopted girl, adopted as a baby from Russia, and she'd been lured to this farmhouse by one of two 13-year-old boys, 13-year-old boys, known as Boy A and Boy B because of their age. I guess uh, what happened was Boy B told her that Boy A wanted to see her. Anna had a crush on Boy A, so she showed up, and once they had her alone and out of earshot, they sexually assaulted her brutally and then killed her, and her corpse was found with her head tilted back amid these broken beer bottles. The two boys were now 14, and the reason the story came up again recently is because just this month they were now convicted, becoming the two youngest boys in Irish history to be convicted of murder. But what the jury in this case did not get to hear, because Mr. Justice Paul McDermott ruled that the, quote, prejudicial value of the information outweighed the probative value is that these boys were obsessed with pornography, that the porn they consumed likely informed and inspired their savage killings. Two phones in Boys A's bedroom, for example, contain over 12,000 images, most of them pornographic, and these photos included men sexually assaulting younger women, some of them dressed in school uniforms. They had Googled specifically Russian girls. Of course, a Russian girl was their victim. Uh, There was a lot of child pornography on their phones, and then there were other scenes that were too horrific to describe that basically showed men savaging women men savaging women this vast and evil porn collection inspired them to eventually try out what they were doing and this is increasingly normal i've gotten emails even from heartbroken mothers who say for example that their young sons have molested their nieces and nephews because of porn they saw on the iphones the rate of young people sexually assaulting other young people i have a podcast coming up on this on the van maren show at lifesightnews.com the rates of of kids sexually assaulting other kids is going through the roof because they're seeing porn and they're trying out exactly what they see on other kids 
And just in this in the same month, another story actually uh, came out of Northern Ireland where a young boy was convicted of raping another boy. He was, I believe, uh, he was, uh, he, the victim was seven years old and the perpetrator was 13 years old. And again, the judge said that pornography was at fault. How many of these stories have to happen before we realize that this horrifying experiment with pornography is deforming and poisoning and victimizing an entire generation? How many times does this have to happen? How many times? How many Anna Kriegels are we going to have to see? How many boys are going to get sexually abused? I could give you stories of good Christian dads who ended up in jail because they used porn to groom people. I could give you stories of people who became addicted to sexual violence exclusively because of pornography. But I'll just leave you, I'll leave you with the basic numbers. In 2016 alone, 524,641 years of pornography were viewed on the websites of a single, single porn company. The vast majority of pornography enjoyed by young boys is now explicitly violent pornography. That has leaked into the sexual behavior that they try on girls to the point where when girls face sexual violence, they don't even know if it counts as sexual violence. But the sexual behavior is so rough, they're being forced into things they don't want to do, and they're enduring behavior that leaves them torn and bloody. This is happening to your sons and daughters in our culture today. This is something we need to stop. We have no other alternative but to seek how to stop this. I have two very young children, and this is the world they're going to have to grow up in unless we grow up and realize that we have poisoned the waters, that we have ruined this culture by permitting a tidal wave of pornography unprecedented in human history to wash through our homes, born on waves of Wi-Fi that carry the filth to every single device. Every single kid now carries in his pocket what amounts to a triple X rated porn theater. And they're looking at hardcore porn and they're acting on what they see. Just a few things for you to think about on this weekend. Sorry for depressing you all, but I just, we need to get out in front of this. This is something that we need to work on now because I believe that the futures of our communities, our marriages, and our families depend on it. Thanks so much for listening. Head over to thebridgehead.ca to read our commentary and check out our other podcasts. Hopefully you'll join us again next week. Again, thanks so much for giving us just a bit of your time to listen to this update from the front lines of the culture wars.